Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Here's Carr back into the gun. In trouble. Gonna get hit from behind. Sack fumbled. Ball's loose. This is the press box. Derek, uh, the the, uh, the wide receivers didn't get a lot of get a lot of targets and catches today. Obviously, um, is this uh, what you say? What's that? Darren did though. Oh yeah, yes he did. Okay, we checked that box this week. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, I don't read. I don't listen. I'm not told anything. Quoting from Derek Carr. They check any boxes last week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't remember any boxes being checked. Well, they checked one box that one of their coaching candidates was on the sideline before the game, so I guess that's a box you check. <laughs> Interview we, Dabo, check. Yes, check. Uh, I want to excite Jared off the top. I know you'll get to this, but I have to go get tested later. I did talk to one of your chicken partners yesterday. He agreed that 407 has been completely disappointing. Nightmare. A complete disappointment. Yeah. You talked to one of his... Well, How many members of the media well, do you got in this chicken thing? I will tell you that Darren Millard has almost convinced me to buy a chicken with him. Only one. Only one. One chicken. And one of Tyler's uh, partners uh, started to talk about 407 and everything, and it was... Uh, that's that's not good salesmanship. If, if anything, he goes, yeah, 407 is disappointing, but what you really need to look at is 725. <laughs> yes. Well, I heard you're interested in a chicken. He gave me the uh, sage advice, stay away from horses, just go all in on chickens. All in on chickens. Yeah, it's so. chicken time, Ed. Yep, Millard and I buying one. We're going in on one. Although, I'll, I'll have some more chicken news for you later right. in the show, if oh, you're ready. God. I'm very excited. Why? <laughs> The first bite. Is UNLV going to lose to Seattle? Uh, I guess the question is: Is Seattle a good team? <laughs> they're seven and two. Okay, are they top hundred? Uh, they're no. They're oh, one. They're there's one, a chance. They're one ninety one in Ken Palm. There's a chance. Uh, Ken Palm projects a four point win for UNLV, and the line's five. Now, All right. Fun part about Seattle: They shoot the twenty six most threes in the country. They are going to let it fly. They are often going to have five guys on the floor at a time that shoot it. Uh, so this is, in terms of matchup, a game where UNLV, you can very easily lose if you lose the team that's drilling a whole bunch of threes, right? right. Seattle hasn't beaten anybody that's good this year, by the way. So they're 7-2, and two, but they've played an extremely soft schedule. So the 7-2 and two is not all that impressive, but it's not like they're walking in here facing some terrible team that's got no shot right. at winning. Seattle absolutely has a shot. To win this game, but here's the problem for UNLV. When's the last time they looked good on a basketball court? Uh, thought for stretches, Wichita State. Okay. I thought for stretches, Wichita State, which is, it seems now because of some of the blowouts, it seems to have been a while, even right? though it hasn't been, you know, it's not, it hasn't been 10 or 15 games, but it just seems a long time ago, and it was, what, a couple right. weeks? Their last four games, one of them was against Whittier, which we can ignore yeah, that's, the Division I'm throwing out the Poets. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. The Poets don't count. The They're a top count. 25 <laughs> mascot. Yeah, probably. The other, the other three games they've played, though, since that Wichita State game have all been blowout losses to UCLA, SMU, and San Francisco. All of those teams are better than Seattle. All of those teams are better than the, than UNLV is going to play Hartford on Saturday. They play Nebraska, Omaha, and San Diego to close out the non-conference schedule. All three of those schools are better than what UNLV is about to play in their next four games. But they nothing they've done in the last three games sort of implies that they're that they're going to play well against Seattle. Just because Seattle's bad, is UNLV suddenly going to start playing 
significantly better. Not based on what we've seen. Right. I mean, their, their shot selection still hasn't been very good. And if you're looking at UNLV, I think they win tonight. I expect them to win tonight, but I'm not convinced of it. Like this team, when you have a bad offensive team, you're on you're on upset alert pretty much every time you play a team that you're supposed to beat because you it's very hard to blow a team out when they when you struggle as much as UNLV does offensively. I mean, they don't shoot it well and they don't get to the rim very often. And if those two things don't really change tonight, then yeah, they can absolutely lose this game to Seattle. Well, and how about at the other end of the court? Um, this was interesting from Sam Gordon's story on the defense from Kruger. When you're timid against teams that are as efficient as SMU, how they are at San Francisco, and of course UCLA, our message to them is go swing away, be aggressive, be excited, play for each other, but there's no reason to be hesitant. So do you think that's a fair assumption of what they've been as you've gotten blown out losses with this defense? It was interesting that he used the word timid because that's not the conversations we had about this team leading into the season or even after the first five games, like it, Kevin Kruger was all about recruiting guys that could defend. He even said in the preseason that he probably spent too much time on defense and not enough on offense because they wanted to be really good on defense. There was, UNLV does their little YouTube series called run it back. Part of that was Kevin Kruger talking about being a top 25 defense in the country, right? Right. Like that's what he was telling his players in practice before the season started. And now we're looking around talking about, well, nine games in there, we're a little timid defensively. Where'd that come from? Like, that's not what they recruited. That's not what we were talking about three, four, five games into the year was this team being timid defensively. So no, so this that, team was being good defensively. Right. That's a bizarre swing for UNLV to just suddenly be timid defensively. I think part of the problem might be the foul trouble they keep getting in. Because you have two guys on this team, Donovan Williams and Royce Ham, who keep getting into foul trouble. Donovan Williams leads the Mountain West in fouls per minute, right? Like, that's an issue. And when you're getting in foul trouble, you're more likely to play timid defensively. But they've gotten torched by lead guards. Like, that's the last three games. They've gotten torched by lead guards. And so, you know, Seattle doesn't have the same lead guard that Wichita State, or, yeah, well, Wichita State too, but that SMU has or San Francisco has. But they have not looked good defensively, just defending one-on-one -on -one the other team's best player. Right. That's been part of the problem. It's not necessarily a scheme issue. And so Tim, it's probably a fair word to use. I mean, the the bigger issue is if we find out they're just not talented enough, like he says, timid, which makes it sound like it's an attitude my, uh, problem that it's a, Hey, the talent's there, but the attitude, the mindset's not right defensively. The bigger issue is if all of a sudden we find out, well, the talent's not there defensively. Cause then there's nothing you can really do to fix the defense. Yeah, uh, Dave, and I, I see, I, and I know you've listed here, they have played a hard schedule. Yep. Uh, I don't know if that, I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but they played one of the hardest schedules in the Mountain West. The problem's going to be if they continue to play this way against, uh, as you say, Ken, Ken Palm top hundreds, those teams at the top of the Mountain West, Colorado State, San Diego State, the ones we've seen in the non-con, uh, those are kind of the teams that they've lost to you know, by almost 20 points each time. Yeah. So something's going to have to change if they're going to turn this around to where they're not just, you know, struggling to beat the Wyoming's and, and others in this league. So five losses against Ken Palm top 100 teams. Uh, one of those was close lost to Wichita state. The other four were all by double digits and three were by 19 or more. Like they've been non-competitive in their last three games against good teams. And five mountain West teams are in the Ken Palm top 100 right now. It's not like you're going into conference play and it's just a bunch of nobodies. Right. That you're, it's not Seattle and Hartford the entire time. So they're probably going to struggle in Mountain West play. Like I, 
after what we've seen, I don't I don't think UNLV is really beating many teams easily in this conference, with maybe the exception of San Jose State, right? Like otherwise, they're right now they're in the tier with like New Mexico and Fresno State and Wyoming, right? right? That like that's where they are. They're not in the upper tier. They're really not even in the second tier right now in the Mountain West. So they've got a long way to go to sort of prove that. Now, you'll enjoy this. Kevin Kruger, I think he might be worse than the Golden Knights about giving out information about players returning from injury. Mm, boy, that's kind of that's kind of harsh. So Victor Ewalker is not played this year. Um, a couple of times this year, he was asked about, hey, you know, what's Victor's timeline? When could he be back? Both times he said to like, you should ask the trainer, right? That was, is the response. trainer available? No, he doesn't do press conferences. It's <laughs> um, hard to ask. <laughs> well, just text him. <laughs> um, but then yesterday, so victory e. Walker practiced in full yesterday. He, he was in every drill they did. So Kevin Kruger afterwards asked, you know, Hey, is, is victory e. Walker going to, you know, play? And his response was, I guess you'll have to come to the game and find out. So oh, he is man. that see to me, that doesn't sound like the golden Knights. That sounds like him being like, I don't know. I've asked the trainer. Do we know if it's upper or know. lower body? It was a shoulder. Oh, those upper bodies, man. Kruger did tell us what it, what the injury was. Like okay. he, it was a shoulder injury. So, okay. So he's not as bad in terms of being open about what he, the yes. guy's actually hurt. But when the guy's coming back, he's been, as like obtuse as possible with the media about, I don't know. You'll have to talk to the trainer. Uh, you'll have to come see tonight. See, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt where he's like, I don't know. I've talked to the trainer. <laughs> I assume you see if you understand what he's saying. I assume victory e. Walker's playing tonight. I assume. His I would assume as well, given what you just said, yeah. you have to come to the game and see. And he did go through warmups against San Francisco. He was dressed, but they didn't. Oh, they dressed him? Against San Francisco, okay. but they didn't play him. All right. So then I guess he's as close as you can be. Right. And then yesterday he practiced in full, full and oh, I, he's gonna play. I assume he's going to play, but he also practiced before the San Francisco game and was dressed before the San Francisco game and then didn't play. So I assume he plays. I'll be curious to see if he makes a difference. Um, you know, he will make a difference in terms of David Mawaka doesn't have to play. Uh, Reese Brown won't have to play. They'll have another big when Royce Ham. Gets can into he sp- foul when trouble. Royce Ham gets in? I was going to say when he gets in the foul right. trouble, he can he can spell him or, or replace him. But the issue has been even when Royce Ham's been on the floor the last three games, it's not like UNLV's been good when he's been out there and just bad when he's off the floor. They've been right. bad the entire time for the most part. So I'm curious how much of a difference he makes. Um, how much of a difference does he make defensively? Right? Does he change the the timidness of a defense? We'll see. I, I don't know exactly what to expect out of Victor E. Walker, but should be somewhat beneficial. Okay. Are we sure that his name is pronounced E. Walker? All right. Certainly um, how it's spelled. The media guide says it's E. Walko. Which oh, without zero, the R? Which makes zero sense. So okay. I've been going with E. Walker. Kevin Kruger said E. Walker yesterday, too. So I'm going with E. Walker. Okay. According to the... Oklahoma Sooners basketball media guide. It's Iwoker. Okay. There's three there's three different uh pronunciations then. I the way it's spelled, I've always said Ewalker. I Kevin Kruger said Ewalker yesterday. Let's so. go. Oh no, coach. according to News Three here in town, it <laughs> is pronounced Ewalker, and they put it in a thing pronounced <laughs> E. But if you go to the Oklahoma Sooners Media Guide, it's ah, he's not there anymore. E-Y-E. Which is I. I Walker. <laughs> All right. Well, 
We'll have to ask Victor Ewalker. That's the other thing. Victor Ewalker, it's not like he's been available to the media, right. but I well, guess he's working on his shoulder. I guess the next time you need, you really need to get close with the trainer. Apparently, I need to get close with the trainer. But so whenever we get to talk to Victor E. I. Walker or Walko, we'll ask him how do you pronounce your last name, and I, I will bring you that officially, Jared. How to pronounce his last name? Okay, it just it makes it very like difficult for me to follow. Because every time he's he's a large man, and every time you say Ewalker, I think of an Ewok. I think the I unless they unless something crazy happens, and you know I think there's gonna be some close games because we saw them play play close games early on against you know not as good a teams they played early. I think there's a good chance they win out. Non conference schedule yeah, before they start league against San Diego one. State. You think they'll lose one? They'll lose one. They'll be favored in all four, but they'll yeah. lose one. Uh, Seattle is the well, Seattle and San Diego are the two most likely. Nebraska Omaha apparently sucks. They're ranked 334th in Ken Palm. Oh yeah, they suck. They're Ooh. one and seven. Three thirty four. Beat only, them down. That's only, the poets. Those are the poets. Yeah, their only win this year is against uh, non Division one Hastings, which sounds like a high school. Yeah, it does. Hey, no, Hastings that, High. Yeah, it, that sounds like a like knockoff Burger King that's in your hometown. I'm trying to see. Have they even played a close game this year? They lost to Ball State by four. Okay. That's the only single-digit well, loss they have this year. You would think Ball State would be better at basketball. It's in their name. They lost back-to-back games to Texas Tech and Purdue by 56 and 57. <laughs> thing I've ever Back-to-backs? Fif- they lost back-to-back games by 56 and 57. Okay, so they're going to beat them. They should beat, they should beat Nebraska-Omaha. I feel confident in saying that one. Hartford's not very good either. Ooh, Hartford also won in seven. Ooh. All right, so there's two wins. So it's, Seattle so it's either Seattle Diego. or San Diego you no, think if, they fall yeah. to. If they lose one, it's to Seattle or San Diego. Which one would you bench your entire starting uh, five? Oh, Nebraska, Omaha. Absolutely. That team sucks. Because I'm pretty confident that, like, the Marvin Coleman, Jay Green lineup is better than whoever the hell Nebraska, Omaha is putting on the floor. The best Nebraska, Omaha shows up and goes, whoa, these guys are tall. Yes, They're like 6'3". Exactly. Look exactly at those guys. Look at that guy. You know, he's got James Hampshire, a seven-footer who's been out the whole season with a, also a shoulder injury. These upper body injuries yeah. are killing him. He well, was in he was in like a sling yesterday. They could probably put him out there with one arm. With one sling? With a they sling? could probably beat Nebraska, Omaha. I feel pretty confident in that one. All right, coming up next, are we getting a soccer team? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that last night. We can, we can use our whole passing game. <laughs> all, all the pass plays that we have, they haven't seen. Kudos to the running backs. You see their defense, it was everybody up on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, they they were still able to gain yards. So that's on the running backs, Yacht, uh, tight ends, offensive line. You know, just hats off to the offense, really. Everybody, uh, probably besides Mac, he, he really didn't do nothing besides hand the ball off. <laughs> Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. You ready for soccer, Ed? I'm ready. We're getting I'm, major I'm ready to team. see if this really happens. It's happening. It has to be. I have never heard a commissioner talk about, as, talk about something as a foregone conclusion as an expansion team as Don Garber right. did yesterday about Major League Soccer in Vegas. I mean, see, he... He was asked directly, is you know, is it fair to say Las Vegas is the front runner to get the 30th MLS team? And he said yes to that. But just like some of the ways he talked about it, he, he said this, I can't comment on what our stadium plans are because they are still fluid, but hopefully in the next couple of months we'll have more to talk about. Like, that sounds like they've already got a plan, and they're just waiting for whatever, final approvals here. Like, yesterday Don Garber, Major League Soccer Commissioner, did his State of the Union press conference before MLS Cup this weekend. 
he was asked about Las Vegas like a handful of times. He talked about the owner, Wes Edens, right? He talked about uh, having a mini Allegiant Stadium and them announcing facility plans sometime in the near future. He talked about a timeline of when there will be another expansion team within 10 months announced. And he talked about a timeline for when that team will actually start playing 2024 at the earliest. Like this is as done as it can be without it actually being done. Like he's talking about all of this as though Las Vegas already has an expansion team. All right, so who pays for this stadium? Because we keep asking what's happening with the A's, and it right. appears MLS is farther, much farther ahead than the A's because I don't think either of us believe the A's are coming. So if we think MLS is coming, and we both do, then this is far more prevalent. Uh, who pays for the stadium? I don't know. Uh, I would assume that Wes Edens is going to pay for it. That would be my assumption right now because we haven't heard a single thing about public money going towards MLS. Major League Soccer Stadium. And I would assume if Major League Soccer feels this confident about Las Vegas to call it the front runner to say we're announcing facility plans in the future to say we're going to award a city a 30th team in 10 months, I'd assume they know how they're paying for it. And unless they're less people have been hiding the fact that they're going to give a Major League Soccer team a whole bunch of tax dollars, I assume Wes Edens is paying for it. But yeah, we don't know that for sure we'll give them the land for free don't worry <laughs> yes uh he said garber said the a's relocation potential relocation has no impact i believe that is that basically fan bases uh, you know because they're both summer sports no i don't believe him i think if oh you ma- don't believe that he isn't worried about a's re- relocation yeah, if you're major league soccer you're definitely worried about the A's potentially moving to Vegas because option to go to right because now you're talking about uh, four professional sports leagues here and baseball is the one you go head to head with the most as Major League Soccer because you play through the summer I think you're absolutely should be worried if the A's move here I think when Don Garber says he's not worried about it I think it's because Don Garber knows the A's aren't coming yeah I'm sure he thinks I, I think we that's do. right so I think that's what he, his bigger concern he is. texted friend of the show Dave Cavill, and he went, so where's this land? Well, the A's owner, um, John Fisher, Fisher. He, he owns the San Jose Earthquakes. Like, he owns a Major League Soccer team. So, like, Don Garber knows him. Don Garber can call and be like, are you really moving to Vegas? Right. No, we just need a billion dollars from Oakland. Okay, cool. We're putting a team there. Like, I, I think him saying that is him saying they're not going to Vegas. We'll be fine. Because you absolutely would be worried. You absolutely would 100% be worried about the A's being in Vegas. This is not a big market. This is not... Los Angeles. We right. don't have enough people to support all these sports. Like, we're going to get them all, and somebody's going to die. Like, some of these, if we get Major League Soccer, and if the NBA comes here, we're somebody's dying. Like, we're not keeping all these sports. We're not big enough. And the Knights go into the summer somewhat. Yeah, they do. So, Especially if they go deep in the playoffs. I think you would absolutely be worried, but I, I think he's not worried about them actually moving here, so there's no concern about it. Earliest this could happen is 2024. Yeah, which I assume is just a matter well, of. It takes hey, a few years to build that stadium. Yeah, we need a few years to build a stadium, which would rule out them playing a couple of years at like a Legion Stadium or something like that. Because conceivably, you could announce the team and they could play at Allegiant or Cashman or Sam Boyd for two years and then move into their brand new stadium. That's what the, Major League Soccer's done that with a couple of teams. Team but, Mobile. I think you just you just wait it out. I think there's no problem with waiting if you're building a new stadium and waiting two to three years. We're not going to be that crazy needing it in 2023 versus 2024. If you had to pick one that's definitely going to die, am I the only one that's like mm, indoor football league? I don't think they count. Oh, okay. No. Them and the lacrosse leagues. 
I don't think they're high enough on the totem pole. They Sorry, need like out there. Eight hundred people at the game yeah. to survive. Nice. That's a good crowd. Major League Soccer needs like twenty thousand people to survive. That's... Well, survive is probably the wrong word, but needs like twenty thousand people to be viable, legitimate, or whatever. So, yeah, Ooh, that it's could a be tough a get even without the A's. It is. It is. Even I, I without think it's, the A's. I think it's. I am. I am very Oof. curious to see what Major League Soccer looks like here because I'm not hundred percent convinced that. There's a fan base here to support it because there is a soccer loving part of Las Vegas. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yes. it's like for the Mexican national team. It's for their favorite league AMX team, right? It's not, I don't know how, I don't know how much, maybe everybody in Las Vegas would be like, oh, a team's in town. Let's, we're jumping on board hundred percent with this major league soccer team. But like I went, listen, I went to the gold cup final Legion stadium, Mexico versus the U S sold out 90% Mexican uh, national team fans. Mm -hmm. I also went to the leagues cup. That was Seattle Sounders against Lyon, a league MX team versus uh, MLS team. There's like 20,000 people there for a, a championship game. That's that to me is kind of looking at it like, Oh, this is the max. If you put a major league soccer team in there, the first year you put a team here, it'll be popular. Oh, it's the again, new see the stadium. And, yeah, it happens and, all the time. And if they're good, right? If we're talking about, oh, they're in the playoffs and they've got a chance to win a championship, then that probably keeps people around right. too. But if we get an MLS team and, you know, in year three or year four, they they suck. I'm, I'd be very curious to see if we actually have the, yeah. the market to support a soccer, a major league soccer team in Vegas. I'd be curious to see that. Also, one other detail that we got yesterday from front office sports. Wes Edens is partnered with Nassif Suarez, who he they co-own Aston Villa, the Premier League team. Uh, just from uh, Suarez's Wikipedia page, as of October of 2021, his net worth was an estimated $8.7 billion, the richest Arab and the second richest African. I think they're well, building the stadium. I think they're building the stadium. <laughs> I don't think they're going to go to Sisolak and say, well, you don't want to give money for the baseball stadium, but how about us? <laughs> Coming up next, Mike Gravala joins the show. Since the team has won a game running that few times in a game, I mean, passing that few times, is that embarrassing? I mean, what kind Boy, of question? Boy, what are we doing, bro? What kind of question is that? I think we, I think keep, keep we that, keep, all right. seven points. Yeah, we, 14, uh, four, or, 14 to 14. 14 to 10. Is that the final score? We made stops when we had to. They had one big run. I mean, they got good backs. <laughs> They, yeah, all right. Um, they kept coming back to a couple of runs. I mean, I don't know how you want us to answer that question. That's funny. Well, I'll, we'll remember that. I'll remember that. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Gramala. Good morning, Mike. Hello, Michael. Hey, guys. Uh, I have an important question for you. We talked to your coworker Justin Emerson, yesterday, and he said for Christmas they usually do, like, seafood, like lobster and crab or whatever. And this year they're doing fish because somebody's allergic to shellfish. Uh, that's like their Christmas Eve tradition. Uh, what do you eat on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Oh, man. Um, Christmas Day is usually like a – in the – the Gramala family was like a redux of Thanksgiving. So it would be like the, it would be like Turkey uh, and then all your, your sides. So you basically have Thanksgiving. Then one month later you would have Thanksgiving part two, <laughs> which is Christmas day. Okay. Is that and, normal? 
I, I mean, it's not abnormal. I, I no, think, okay. Yeah, I don't think that's the that's fish really sounds good, but it's more normal than the fish, given right. what most people would probably have. So, okay, what uh, for Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving part two? What what is actually on your plate? You guys probably know what's on my plate. It's turkey dry with no gravy. Um, it's mashed potatoes dry. It's um, Probably either green beans or corn. Oh, like, so those are probably those are probably the two vegetables most likely to be there that I that I like. So it's those three things, maybe like a biscuit or a roll or something like that, and then dessert, and that's it. That's and a hearty meal. I it's, yes, yeah, that's pretty good. good. It's a hearty meal. Very dry. It is, well, but it's not but, for for Mike Ramallah's standards. That's actually yeah. fairly normal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not going to photograph well because it is very dry, but that's the way I like it. So what do you want me to do? No cream corn. No, I've never, I've never had creamed corn. It, it does not sound appealing. What do you point out? Does it, taste like, does it taste like corn? I can bring it in a can. Uh, uh, bring in a can. Oh. has the sauce with it, cream corn sauce. Yeah, I don't uh, – it's not the, something uh, that's, you know, normal or, or traditional, I don't think, for a lot of people, but uh, it is out there. It's gross. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not great. Mind. That one's, you don't need to try that one. You're not missing Mike, anything. have you ever had grits? I have not had grits. Ooh. But I, I, I've, well, I was going to say I know, kind, of, but I don't really know. Are they like, <laughs> they're like pancakes, right? It's the same kind of batter? No. But just made? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No, it's uh, okay. like, you, would, you wouldn't like, like it's a mushy consistency. You wouldn't like it. You'd be afraid Is of it? the consistency itself, let alone what they taste like. It's not a solid? No. No, no, no. It's, no. it's yeah. Like, oh, it's like I was picturing a solid. Okay. It's like a plasma. No. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't like any really. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't even you wouldn't even attempt to eat the grits is what the problem would be. You just look at it and be like, no. Cause your your little thing about I can look at things and know how they're gonna feel in your mouth or whatever the hell you say. That's what you'd say about grits. Okay, just for what you're describing, you guys are painting a pretty good picture. Um, I think I'm going to cross the grits off of the list permanently. Do you think Kevin Kruger is correct? Press box transition. Press box transition. In describing, as we've described your food here, describing the defense lately as timid, and is that a bad thing for him to already be saying that? I think you can see on the court, they... uh, you know they they give up a lot of shots that are not really bought. Like if you're an opposing guard and you want to step into just a three pointer off the dribble, they will let you do that. They'll they'll give up that shot. Um, I think as part of their strategy, they'll just challenge you to if you can make it. Then congratulations to you. Um, but the problem is they've been facing guys who can make those shots. You saw at San Francisco had a guard who uh, you know made his first five three pointers like in the first couple of minutes. Um, Wichita State had a guard, uh, Etienne, who just killed them by making three-pointers. Like, they're not really forcing the issue on that end of the floor the way that we thought they would. Like, we thought this would be like the defense. They would live off their defense with energy and rotating players in and out. They're going to be hounding the ball, and that's the way, you know, that's the way they were going to win, and they have kind of gotten away from that. Um, and it's it's definitely hurt them. So if they can – First of all, I mean, I think the thing that will help them most is playing teams that are worse than them because when you play a bad team, then you can really get after the ball and do all that kind of stuff and not get burned. So they need to start playing teams that they're better than and uh, then get back to that sort of defensive style. So I think you're going to see them try to do that over these next four games. They have four games left in the non-conference. I think you'll see them 
try to get back to those defensive standards. How many teams are they actually better than in the Mountain West that they can do that to? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that there are probably going to be more Mountain West teams better than them. Uh, so probably somewhere sixth or below. But uh, that's just right now. There's a lot of season left to play. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they don't look like a top Mountain West contender right now, for sure. Uh, upper body injury, if you're asked the Golden Knights. But Victor Ewalker has been full participant in dress. Yeah. Supposedly he might play tonight. Uh, tell us what you actually think he's going to bring if he's all, if he's completely healthy. Uh, exactly what we just talked about, uh, the aggressive defense. You know, between him and uh, Keyshawn Gilbert are the two guys that I would point to stylistically in terms of their skill set and their um, style of play. Those are the two guys that if you want to play that aggressive style of defense and have it you know, infect the rest of the team and be contagious, uh, Walker is one of the two guys who can bring that to the floor. So that's probably what they're going to ask him to do. Um, it's maybe one of the reasons why they didn't want to bring him back or rush him back before he was 100% was because they know he's going to play that all-out style. and He's going to be physical. He can't really tone it down. So um, I think you're going to see them let him loose. Once he's ready to play, once he's 100%, you'll see him out there hounding the ball, uh, playing physical, switching on to all different positions because that's, uh, that's what he's supposed to bring. That's going to be his role. We talked a lot last year about T.J. Otzelberger and the roster that he built and how that was sort of where the big failure was. This year, Bryce Hamilton is having his worst offensive rating of his career. He's also shooting more than he ever has in his career. He's taking 39% of UNLV's shots when he's on the floor, which is the highest mark in the entire country, and it's 3% more than he shot last year. Did Kevin Kruger fail with this roster because they're still relying that heavily on Bryce Hamilton to bail them out? I think Bryce was number one in that category for most of the season, if not the entire season last year as well, the share of his team's shot attempts. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a failure. I'd say it's like the default. Like they, it's, if you, they don't really have anyone else that can do what Bryce Hamilton could do off the dribble. The only guy who's, I think, um, shown that kind of ability so far uh, to get his own shot is – Again, Keyshawn Gilbert. It's it's weird to say that we've brought him up twice now as like the only guy capable of it. But he's as, as a freshman. But he's a guy who's shown he can make something happen off the dribble. And then a little bit Donovan Williams. But that's mostly because he's tall and long, and he can shoot over people, which you don't always want him to do. Uh, so it's by default. Like they don't have you know when the shot clock's running down, or when another team stops your first and second action on a set play that you're going to run. The ball just defaults to Bryce Hamilton, and he's going to get a shot off. So. Yeah, I guess it's they really don't run uh, the kind of system that's just going to get you know sh- uh, standstill shooters, wide open shots, and they don't really have anyone else that can create that kind of stuff consistently. So, if that's a failure of roster uh, building in his first off season, then I would say yeah, because Hamilton's the only guy that can do it, and that's why his numbers are so high. Well, do you think it's fair to call that a failure? Or do you think it's fair to look at it and say, hey, it was the first off season, and he just brought in transfers that he could get at the time? I would say one off season, uh, you would want them to be better, but you can't expect them to be better. The, the difference was Otzelberger. That was his second off season, and he brought in, you know, a big recruiting class that he signed off on, and uh, you know they were supposed to be on an upward trajectory, and then it just flopped, and they were not very talented at all. And that was his second off season, so that's a little bit different. 
let's see what Kruger does next year. Um, the kind of team that he can build and if he can, uh, you know, a little bit more in his image. So I wouldn't say it's a failure yet. I would say it's kind of a disappointment though, for sure. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't really coach a guy into that, that that's, you know, disturbing if it happens in the long run throughout an entire season where there's just one guy you're really counting on. Right. I mean, this is a, this could be a major issue. It already has been if they continue down that road. It is an issue, but it's um, it the, the the high usage numbers. It can work. Like we've seen that work before. We've seen it work like in the Mountain West. Even if the player is good enough, and if your role players are like good enough, and their roles are well defined, where everyone knows what they're doing, and they're all playing on the on the same page, right? Like if Bryce Hamilton is that good, where he can, we saw him at San Francisco. I thought play a really good game where he was just like sort of, I'm going to get into the lane. I'm only going to shoot from the paint. If the if coach is going to bench me for shooting outside the paint, like I'll show him, watch this. I'm going to shoot all 19 of my shots in the lane, um, which is fine. Like I'm sure coach uh, uh, Kruger was delighted by that. I'm sure he loved it. So if they can get that kind of play out of Bryce Hamilton for the next, you know, 20 games, um, maybe it will work, but it is a, you're, you're not giving yourself much of a margin because if he has one off night or if another team successfully schemes defensively to take him away, then you're leaving yourself in trouble because, you know, Justin Webster is not going to pick up the slack. Um, Donovan Williams is not going to pick up the slack. Royce Ham is not going to explode for 28 points to, to bail you out. So um, they're playing a dangerous game by asking Bryce Hamilton to do the scoring by himself every single night. All right. He's Mike Kramala from the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, don't try cream corn. Uh, we might get you to try grits at some point. Okay. Easy enough. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Do I have to bring in, like, maple syrup and butter? Do you think he wants maple syrup? That's okay. Yep. Nope. Uh, That was dumb as soon as I asked it. Yeah. Cream corn. You don't like it? No. Really? Cream corn's gross. It's just, it feels like some, I don't know, Did maybe you guys didn't go to as, like, crappy of a public school as I went to, but that, like, cream corn was on the menu three days a week. Yeah. I... We I also have, had square pizza. So. I have like a childhood scoring from or scarring from corn, where I don't remember exactly what happened, but we had like dinner one night, and we had corn, and somehow the corn got left out overnight. Corn on the cob? No, well, no, it was you know whatever off the cob. Whatever okay. the hell the word is for that. Somehow it got left out overnight, and just somebody reheated it and put it back on the table, and I ate it and like almost gagged and threw up, and everybody was like, oh, you're just picky. It's fine. It's corn. And then somebody else ate it. I was like, yeah, that's gross. So, yeah, I'm scarred from corn. It's not good. doesn't do anything for me. I like the cream corn. <laughs> that's weird. Coming up next, some chicken news. No, I think it's awesome. I, I've known Brent for... A long time. He's a good friend, um, and uh, no, nah, just to, to see him get that opportunity. I know he's been, you know, waiting for for the right opportunity for a long time, and uh, he certainly earned it. And I'm, I know he'll do a great job. We got a chance to visit a little bit, which was, which was great um, uh, before he before he accepted the job, and and uh, so now I'm really happy for him and his family. Know him well, and and uh, he'll do a great job there. And they 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 couldn't have found a better choice. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. All right, Ed, you ready for a chicken update? 
I can't wait. You're going to find this actually funny. So, the rundown said. I know it did, but chickens are more important. Actually, by the way, oh, I got to give a shout out. We have a listener that has chickens. I have oh, to get really? A, yeah. So uh, there's a Discord that's with everybody can chat about the chickens. Um, Sploosh is the username of a listener that has chickens. Very excited that Sploosh listens to the show. And as chickens. But, so yesterday... Congrats, Sploosh. Yes. Yesterday during the show, we raised some chickens, right? right. Are no, we was... allowed to say Sploosh on the air? I think so. There's like four O's right. in it. Um, there were like ten races yesterday in total. Uh, there was a bug during the races yesterday to where the finishing order of the chickens in all ten races was simply which lane they yeah, were in. Yeah, which lane they were in. I heard that, yeah. So, the chicken that finished first was just the chicken in lane one. Yeah. And the chicken that finished second was the chicken in lane two. <laughs> I'm getting updates on the chickens all over town, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I am. This has become a huge deal. People are updating me. They said they fixed the bug. Why? So we should be good to go the next time there's racing that we don't have that. But it, it it's a funny bug that, yeah, just put your chicken in lane one and you're going to win the race. So that was enjoyable. Um, we'll see if there's is, more races today. Is there someone I could get on, like, on the show to, like, have you discuss sort of like what you did with the uh, the coach from San Francisco, oh, Todd Golden? <laughs> yeah, just a purely like this is for Tyler. You could go ahead and turn off your radio for yeah, the next. Everybody loves it. We got minutes. we got listeners that are on Discord <laughs> talking. Sploosh loves it. I got it, but I'm saying like, is there some? Is there like a Cynthia Freeland for chickens? I don't know Cynthia Freeland. I don't think she ever even raised her chicken. By the way. Or her horse, I should say. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just letting you know. I don't think she ever did. Um, by the way, an update on our horses. Oh, God. I know you care very much about the horses, too. I've been told not to worry about the horses and only worry about the chickens. Okay, well, we, we have changed that. We are now caring about one of our horses. Um, not fake Is horse. she pregnant? Okay, so here's what's happening. They introduced tournaments in our Ooh, fake horse racing. Oh, right? I love that. Yeah. So we sucked in the actual tournament qualifying like, right. like a yeah. month ago. We, we were awful. They've introduced a new tournament. For teams that suck? Basically for, a horse, for horses that sucked. So I've explained to you U-shape horses, right? You want to finish first and you want yeah, to finish, finish last. last. And exactly. it, makes, it makes a U-shape on your bar graph yeah. for your results. The opposite of a U-shaped horse is an A-shaped horse which are horses that always finish like 6th, 7th, 8th, right? Right. Right. Absolute nightmare, does you no good whatsoever. They introduced a tournament where horses that finish like 6th, 7th, and 8th are the ones that are now good for this tournament because they have a, there's a new point system for this tournament where if you finish 7th, you get like a certain amount of points, and if you finish 8th, you get so many, and it, it decreases. If you finish 1st or last, you get 0 points in this tournament. We have a horse that's awesome. <laughs> One of our horses is just incredible at this. Like, he finished, like, seventh, like, four straight times <laughs> yesterday. He is he's awesome. Mis- he's Mr. A. Yes. And, and it's the horse we named, horse to be named later. Oh, fake horse and horse to be named later. Yes. You don't really give names because none of your chickens are named, right? <laughs> well, no. Remember, is that true? There's none high, of your chickens are named. cards out there somewhere. Yeah. We, I mean, we, uh, our horses, most of our horses have names, yes. But our chickens haven't been named yet. They're just still numbers because... You know, if we sell them, they're more valuable without a name to the person that's buying them than if we already named them, because then they can name them whatever they want. But it's like it's like in Pokemon, like you if you nickname your Pokemon and you trade them, that's their name permanently. I like how 
to explain this to Ed, you describe something that he probably knows nothing about. I Pokemon? That's, that's exactly yeah. why I've I did it. Po- I've heard of Pokemon. You've I heard never, of it. I never played it. You don't know the mechanism of no. nicknaming your Pokemon no. in the game. Do you guys? Yes. <laughs> no. We once no. did a segment no. on Technically Correct where we looked at the new Pokemon and like rated them. Jared and I are like the prime age for playing Pokemon. No. I've my kids are probably the prime age and they never played it. Never played Pokemon. Yeah, but I they, don't believe they did. I never heard about it. I mean probably, I've heard of Pokemon, they, obviously. They probably went outside and No. Oh had, yeah. Oh had, yeah. Had like boyfriends and girlfriends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Overrated. Just play Pokemon. <laughs> and get your fake horses and chickens. So excited about the chickens. Get them in lane one and you're gonna win gonna be great and also shout out to sploosh i'm i i'm so pumped there's somebody that's playing this game that's listening is like yeah chickens i got chickens it's very exciting i'm very confused that ed is apparently like the fake chicken insider he over is. here he's got sources he does he's good he knows the info i know yeah. it's pretty good are you sploosh <laughs> no <laughs> what if i was <laughs> and i had a chicken no i told you millard and i are buying a chicken okay you buying it for me no. Why not? No, we're buying a cheap one. We got cheap ones. We have some of the cheapest ones uh, you can buy. I think that'd be weird. 